Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Square Ball Podcast. Um, back much sooner than you would normally expect, because perhaps there's one or two things we need to talk about from the world of Leeds United. With me sitting in a slightly different uh, order, so I will still stick with the introductions. I must go white, by the way. This is Michael is here. Hello. Andy P is here. Hello. Rob Conlon is also here. Hello. Your Squareball podcast and magazine crew. Events happening has never stopped us uh, failing to release podcasts. In the, before. We've, we've been through about four managers between podcasts in the past. Well, this is the all-new Squareball podcast that actually comes into uh, a room with microphones, sits down and talks about what's been going on. And people listen to it. I still don't understand why. Um we have a magazine as well that we always have to plug at the start of this. The issue six has been on sale since last time. 68 glorious full-colour pages for £2 went on sale before. The Millwall game had a, a beautiful tribute cover to Yusuke Idiguchi, who obviously has already made a tremendous impact at Leeds United. Um, lots of other stuff. That's, had a new crest. It did. We redesigned our, our crest. I was, a, a, And if you love well-designed crests... Um, it's worth a visit to our website for a range of uh, T-shirts and hoodies, all, all bearing some a really beautiful, well-designed logo um, that seems to be quite popular and um, hasn't gone uh, viral for all the wrong Did we survey reasons. all our readers we did. before we changed that? All 10,000 yep. of them. <laughs> they all said that they lo- what they loved most about the square ball was its uh, uh, four sides um, and the boldness of it. So we, we built a design incorporating those two things. Anywho, we will come on to the question of um, design and consultation and crests. I've never used the word crest so much in my life as in like the last two days. Um, but there'll be more of that later. Before that, we've got the football to talk about. And there has been some football, some scintillating, um, enjoyable I mean, one of the games is all right. We got the Ipswich game first. The Ipswich, we went to Ipswich to face Mick McCarthy's Big Mac men of um, tractors. Um, the Farmer crew, it was going, it was a fairly average match, but then um, have you ever seen, Michael, anything so violent, sickening, savage as what Union O'Kane did to that poor young man? Was it meant to be an elbow? Because it's not really clear from the footage whether it's an elbow or a head. I don't know what it says about Union O'Kane that he would set out to elbow somebody and end up headbutting them. <laughs> it, it was one of those. It looked like he didn't really do anything, but then he goes off without a single complaint, which 
Mm. Normally, if a player's been sent off for something that they didn't do, they'll make a bit of a fuss about it. Whereas he just sort of went, ah, shit. He's not a fighter, though. I don't think Yunan O'Kane has ever been in a scrap in his life. I think he didn't know what to do. With a few arguments about whether God exists or not, but not, you know, whether he just headbutted somebody. It changed the game, and the up until that point, mm. fairly average, but Leeds United at the moment, we seem to just want to get to half time um, a player down and just see what happens, roll the dice. I think we, we were on top, weren't we? There's no, we were probably, probably creating the slightly the better chances, but just on the on the O'Kane okay thing, I think you're right, he didn't complain when he got sent off, and I, there's, there's some footage taken from right behind the goal that, that shows him go over and headbutt this guy but I couldn't understand because he wasn't even the guy he was in contact with so he, the, the, there's a bit of a there's, a there's a challenge goes in then he gets up and headbutts somebody else for all, seemingly no apparent reason and um, the referee's about an inch away from it as well yeah. he stood right, it, literally right next to him as if, as if he got maybe a page or something from somebody to say you know you need to leave now and go and uh, and do something else um, right what's the quickest way off this pitch I'll pick somebody completely at random and then smash my forehead into them and then they'll they'll go down polaxed that's one thing that was particularly grim about it is how far away it was from the tunnel it was right the other side the other end of the pitch you had to do a full long walk of shame a walk of shame the irony of it all was Rob that once Union O'Kane was out of the way and Leeds had 10 players they started playing much better there is a weird sense with this team that they sort of need to make it difficult for themselves to give themselves something to prove or just shake them into action. Um, I don't know if that's something that you've kind of got to look at Christiansen for. Is that, are they motivated enough to... I don't know, but just to go out and look so soft and stupid as well, which is a recurring theme at the minute, is just stupidity. Um, and it's that thing like, OK, and didn't uh, retaliate, I didn't protest or anything. But it's sort of... I mean, we'll go into the Millwall sending off, but why don't we have any players out there sort of backing him up? And it was stupid. But you look at the Ipswich players, they're all around the referee, the guy's holding his face like mm. he's been shot, and we're just a bit thick and meek and sort of let them get away with it, which is really irritating. Somebody needed to intervene and say, that was not a vicious headbutt, this guy is acting, can't we just... Stop? And there was a lot... I was quite um, wound up after the game with people saying, oh, you shouldn't have done that if you do that you've got to expect to be sent off but that's basically saying that cheating's fine you can't do x because player y will cheat therefore instead of stopping player y cheating we'll just cut out what's quite a normal gesture headbutt i mean was it a headbutt i think he was sort of expecting the other guy to put his head towards him so he's done it as well and exactly he's so just guys caught kind of sinker. guys come rushing over what tried to have a go at O'Kane and then as soon as he's come back dived on the floor as he planned to do all along and everybody says that's fine the other guy needs to miss three games yeah but I don't think it's fine under any circumstances it's clearly cheating but it's football but that's the rea- but that is that's the reality of the game and, and where it is and the same thing for, from Saez you can say well maybe he's you know some phlegm escaped from his mouth and ended up on some player's shirt but he's still that, they're, they're the rules and he got a six game ban I mm-hmm. You know, we don't play football by the Queensby rules anymore. Well, we never did, but we don't play it by this kind of aesthetic um, set of you know nineteenth-century values, whereby sportsmanship is always upheld. It just doesn't. It's you know. My main problem is that we just seem stupid, and we fall for that kind of thing. It was it was very very stupid, and it's very it's very poor value for money as sending off goes as well, Mm. because he could have really smashed that guy up if he's going to get a red card. Exactly, his nose could have been all Steve Bruce. Yeah. If, it have, if it have really wanted to. Yeah, 
I agree. Same punishment. Mm-hmm. Instead, our goal, as in the net, ended up Steve Bruce by... We lost to a wonder goal from a Manchester City player. What can you do about that when you're playing Ipswich? Seems unfair. But then didn't Cooper miss from two yards or something yeah. like that right at the end? But so. that's unfair as well. Why is a chance dropping to Liam Cooper of all people? Yeah. I do, it sounds we've, really we've got harsh. goal scorers like J. Roy Grott waiting to just put those chances in the net. It sounds really harsh, but Liam Cooper just reminds me of Jason Pierce 2.0. It just seems so clumsy and whenever he gets a chance mm. it's just the 50p head thing of mm. it is going anywhere yeah he's, he's had goal. three or four guilt edge chances mm. to yeah. score this season from set pieces from headers in particular and he's not and he's not taken any of them it is it's aspect of his game over the bar or straight at the keeper yeah seems or, to be yeah more or less all of them he just he doesn't seem to know what to do when he's in those sort of situations mm. which is professional football he's been doing it for long enough it's uh we've seen though he's not Necessarily the best when he gets into the attacking third, as the Millwall thing kind of proves. Yes. When he when he drifts up the pitch, he Indeed. does kind of lose his way a bit. Yeah. Well, well, I think both Liam Cooper and Jason Pearce are fine captains of Leeds United. <laughs> Jason um, Pearce on the left left wing back that <laughs> one game was a, was amazing. And with his uh, playing running out against Sheffield Wednesday with the tag hanging off of his Macron <laughs> shirt, another another glory moment. I mean, we could I could reminisce about Jason Pearce all day when there was the uh, um, the the accusations of racism against Belushi at Norwich and he, he, he laughed when he was asked about it. As captain of Leeds United, uh, what's your opinion on the situation? And he kind of giggled and said, <laughs> don't know why you're asking me. I, I'm not, I've got nothing to say about it. Wonderful. Great days. Uh, but Liam Cooper is, is the current captain of the, of the crew. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he continued this fine run of red card form in the first half against Millwall. Um, on reflection, was it a brave move of self-sacrifice to motivate the rest of the team and put an end to what had been an absolutely terrible opening 30 minutes? That was real captaincy, wasn't it, uh, from Cooper? Yep, Tough side before self. <laughs> that first half was the worst I've seen us play in... As... Newport. Well, I was going to say, the game, the game before. But like with a proper team, what you'd say was a full team. Generally speaking, when... People have criticised this year. I've found something in our performance to say, "Oh, well, that wasn't that bad. We lost, we sort of lost two one or whatever." But you know, there was a sixty-minute period where it was good, and we just lost it. But this first half was just abysmal. We, yeah. we didn't win a single ball. I don't think for the yeah. whole. Vieira and Phillips just. I mean, when it's usually one of them plays adequately enough when they mm. play together to cover the other one up, but they both could not hit a barn door passing, and Cooper was abysmal, mm. absolutely abysmal. I don't think Vieira was game. fit. He didn't. No, I don't. From I the start, he didn't look like he could. No. really do it. Salviero getting into a bit of a war of words with Morrison, who I'm sure we'll get onto, but that just seems to rattle him a little bit as well, and I don't mm. think it really shone well on him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's all, but it's it's a good job that the other midfielder who could have perhaps dropped in and, and helped us is playing the Spanish second division. So um, it was one of those useful. games where you you did take a look at that side and you think, how bad is. It? Is he to not be capable of improving this team? <laughs> to not get in that side. Well, you mentioned Steve Morrison, and he was uh, he was all about it up until half time with the um, the two goals. Strangely faded faded in the second half when the the chips were down. But um, I mean, we weren't even having a go at him. I don't think there was no, no particular no, abuse was. going his way. How do we account for his celebrations first for the uh, the goal that he? Um, meant was ruled offside because he was standing in front of the goalkeeper like a knobhead and then the subsequent two that um, 
the sec- the first I think even the first one because I don't think even he expected a second goal. It was like he'd won the World Cup. The annoying thing is, is that he gave the interview the day before where he was saying, "Yeah, I was crap at Leeds. If they boo me, that's football." Norwich did the same. Um, hopefully the fans will understand you know, mitigating circumstances the club was a bit of a mess and I almost had a bit of sympathy for him mm-hmm. and then like I say I didn't hear anything in the ground about him until they scored and he went mental and the Millwall players joined in pointing at the name on his, the back of his shirt so it's like he said something to them beforehand and says oh yeah these, I'm going to give these a hard time it's like why Steve he's going oh because I was shit for them. <laughs> exactly I, I don't understand what his point is you can come back you can come back and say like an opposing player might have beef with you, but his entire thing seems to be, "I was shit at Leeds." He's not Eric Cantona, show them. is he? No, <laughs> he's not a good player who signed for a rival. He's a shit player who signed for a shit club who we're not really bothered about. Who, unless he's playing for Millwall, can't do anything. <laughs> he did alright, Stevenage. <laughs> Give him credit. He can do it. Cut it with the big boys. I think the point was it was what annoyed me most was it was all so orchestrated, and that's what Millwall are all about. They they understood the way they could get a result from this fixture when they haven't won the away game all season was to get on, you know, on on people's nerves, get under people's skin, really exaggerate this... Because no one in the stands was talking about Morrison at all. Really exaggerate this effect. Um, and then if they got a goal, let that all kind of take hold. And the, the, the Cooper sending off changed a lot of that. But also the Millwall bench were absolutely at it and we gave them an opportunity to start playing up um, that's what annoys me is we keep walking into these streetwise teams who are just hustling us out um, of points when we uh, we should be doing a lot better they did it down there they did it up here and that's really frustrating because you see Christians and say oh well, we're ready we understand this fixture and they weren't they absolutely were not and take Cooper out of it completely we deserve to be about 4-0 down at half-time, unquestionably. Felix Fiedval kept us in the game. He's big, and the referee as well, because I've no idea what was wrong with that goal he disallowed. Morrison was standing right in oh, front right, of that, Fiedval's. That was it, was it? Okay, yeah. well, it wasn't apparent from the uh, from, from what we could see, but um, the, the referee linesman was, gave it. On the sending off, I think we should say that the ref did appear to be pulling out a yellow card mm-hmm. at first, uh-huh. and then everyone got in his face and it all kicked off on the bench. And then he had a little time, bit of time to think about it. And people were saying, oh, he consulted with his linesman at this point. But he was literally about to pull the yellow card out of his pocket at one yeah. stage. Yeah, at which point the linesman isn't going to go, oh, it's a red. And he wouldn't won't change his mind then. Mm-hmm. The whole uh, uproar around that screwed us over in several ways. Because one, it turned the yellow into a red. And then I'm pretty sure as well, because our assistant manager got sent off. Which, he does seem like a sparky character. I can never remember his name, but we just liked it. He was doing it against... Banuelos. He was doing it against uh, Barnsley, kicking off with their bench, mm. um, which is great. But it meant that when we really needed to quickly uh, change the team because Cooper had been sent off, we had nobody to fill in the paperwork to make a substitution. And I'm fairly sure that's why nothing changed until we'd conceded another goal. Um, and then it was like, oh yeah, we should. Can somebody fill in the form, and then we can take Vieira off and put on uh, who did we bring on the sub? Pennington, wasn't it? I don't know. It was we. We do seem to be walking into these things, but um, we walked out of it again with probably one of the most sensational thirty minutes of football that I've ever lived through. Rob, you're a very young man, so I don't know if your experience even counts. Yeah, well, this kind of shows up. How, it was better than losing how, to Newport. Oh well shit! My experience of supporting Leeds is that was probably like the best game at Ellen Road 
I know it was a valiant defeat, but it was just so much fun for 30 minutes, and the atmosphere was great. And hopefully the, that's the kind of thing that they can build on. I know like after the match, Christiansen said, I'd rather play like shit against Hull and win. But you think, well, we don't get anything. I know we get three points, but we don't really get anything out of that. Mm. Whereas hopefully this... Like in the second half, I thought Pennington was excellent. I thought Janssen was excellent. I thought Phillips woke up and he was just on his own in the middle doing everything. Lasaga gets two goals. That seems like something we can build on rather than playing crap against Hull and sneaking three points, yeah. you think. Where does it rank... In the to the older generation, that that match. <laughs> Moscow's looking at me just so you on radio you understand when he says older generation. Answer to me then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I would go back to some of you may remember this. We lost five four at home to Liverpool, um, beating Derby four three in that in, uh, in that. But Lee Bowyer scored mm-hmm. right towards the end, um, probably in and around those kind of results um, I think but losing obviously at the end really uh, took the shine of the comeback yeah, a little bit <laughs> but um, having said that I must admit I left at 3-3 because I was I was so disconsolate that um, I, I was so annoyed they'd even equalised because you get to a stage where it was it was so, so late on wasn't it, it was sort of 87, 88 minutes where you thought right I think we've actually done this now mm-hmm. although they looked out on their feet and it became attack and defend towards the end but um yeah, it was uh, from a comeback perspective. When that the, sec- the second Lasaga goal went in, I think there was uh, lots of seeing stars and people just going absolutely berserk, which is the way it should be, Rob. You're absolutely right. I would say that the whole thing was worth it for that goal that put us 3 to up. For me, it reminded me of the Millwall playoff game, oddly, in that it was the, the stadium went absolutely mental for a goal that ultimately meant fuck all. <laughs> But that, the atmosphere when that went in, you know, in the back, yeah, back you're sliding back, yeah, in, mm-hmm. that was like, it's about as loud as Ellen Rowe can get, really, is that sort of mm-hmm. atmosphere. And this was a bit similar. Um, and then we leads it right up. I, as soon as he equalised, like, I don't blame you for leaving. Once it equalised, I knew there was another one coming. We weren't going to mm-hmm. gonna hold out. But it was, I think, Christensen got a lot of flack for taking his strikers off, but... Lasaga couldn't run by the end. He yeah. got injured and tried to carry on. And it was stupid because he did take Roof off when Lasaga was already limping. Though, but Roof yeah, was already Roof had asked to go off, hadn't he? Because I thought yeah. the same. I thought, oh, the, I thought the mistake was taking Roof off so early because, like you say, Lasaga was limping about. But then he came really out afterwards and said, well, "Somebody pointed out though to... the mistake was not having a striker on the bench mm. for a home game." So he didn't really, he couldn't do like for like. And obviously, no Wilkes has gone back out mm. on loan again because if, if I ever see Heidi Sacco play for Leeds United again ever I, I don't know what I'm going to do I'm going to just I don't know kidnap him and leave him in a car boot somewhere for the rest of the season I never ever ever want to see him play for you Leeds again but yes to be fair I was feeling that way after the Newport game about Pierre-Michel Lasaga and look what he went and did True. True. like how the hell he turned into Marco van Basten after a crap first half as well, when yeah, he missed two he, chances, he missed one really easy yeah, header yeah. in the first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then two. Yeah, those those chances looked to me like this is my first. I know he played at Newport, but he barely ran, so I don't know if it counts. Rusty, but then the finishes in the second half. I don't know if maybe um, he clocked into the collective kick up the arse that everybody had got, but suddenly, I mean, the third goal he ran from the, the halfway line, played the pass, got the ball back. And everybody, I was one of the people as well who, like a very, with all my experience as a striker, was telling him to get into the box. 
what a goal. Mm. He's obviously a really talented player, otherwise he wouldn't have got where he has got. But then he's obviously got massive flaws in his game, or he wouldn't, he wouldn't thought, be is he, where he is. Is he a kind of Michael Ricketts that had a good season and people mm. got a decent contract and a big move, and all of a sudden people are like, well, he must have something. Do you remember that season? Mm. Do you remember that season he did good things? Maybe we'll end up. We'll be like, do you remember that Millwall game when he scored twice? <laughs> but he has scored. He's scored a lot of yeah. goals. He can finish. He definitely. Yeah. I'd say he's the best finisher at the club, probably. Yeah. But again, that's yeah. probably a reflection on the lack of. A do we know what's hap- actually happened with his injury? Because I had a theory that he tried really, really hard for twenty minutes, and he was just fucked. He just looked really, really for, tired. For three months. <laughs> oh, at the game. Um, I thought you meant his injury, <laughs> like when he was out for a few months. Um, I think it was defending a corner. He'd got like there was a bad tackle and he was kicked basically. That's what Thomas Christensen always says. He has had a kick, um, so he had a kick, and then uh, yeah, he tried to run it off, but he was he was genuinely like dragging a foot behind him. So he, we probably won't see him for another three months. That will probably be um, his injury. We did as well as uh, Lasaga. We had Lawrence Debock to enjoy at um, right back, isn't he? No, he's left back. I'm, I'm really bad at left and right. Um, it's a wonder I'm still able to drive a car. Do you think he enjoyed himself? Did you enjoy watching him play? Um, I, I thought it was, it was okay. I, I, you don't necessarily. I mean, certainly on on his debut, uh, I've seen far worse debuts from Leeds United left backs. I think you know, we can all agree on that. Um, it's difficult to say, but certainly I, he, he made a couple of decent challenges and got forward when he could as well. And he just had an extra dimension. If we can get a little bit more balance and get maybe Dallas or someone else to play on the left hand side especially now Ailing's out for the rest of the season on the right we all I know we all love Berardi but he just isn't Ailing and from a physical presence perspective I thought Millwall's was it their first goal where he was caught sort of napping on the um, on the far post as well uh, and we are going to miss Ailing I think and he, Ailing hadn't had a great not by his standards a great season but he'd been good enough um, so I think losing that thrust on the right hand side as well as then not having it anything going really on the left would have been a massive problem for us yeah. I thought it was good Dubok bombing forward hard tackler and he withstood his own in an absolutely crazy match it's a horrible first game really isn't yeah. it it's quite ironic that we signed him because they didn't want him to play left wing back and then we ended up playing him at left wing back after we went out and then. Yeah. and then Pennington bombing forward in the second half was really weird to watch Yes, I thought he was great in the second half. Because he was, Everything about him looked wrong when he was running forward. <laughs> yeah. His body shape and everything. I thought, who's, who's this guy? And he was playing third centre back as well, wasn't he? But he still just kept running from yeah. the back. It was crazy. He's like Belushi, but without losing it every single time. There was something wonderful about all of the players. Now, because Alioski was absolutely immense in the second half for tracking, just mm-hmm. running up and down the wing constantly. Um, and Hernandez. Uh, the player who's just kind of keeping calm and making everything happen. Um, it's just annoying that we lost, really, isn't it? But we won't uh, we won't dwell too much on Millwall winning a game of football because that's too painful. We can talk about the fact that Leeds United went off to Spain after that. So Gatano Brady, you're not too keen on his uh, his right back play. Have you seen his golf game? No, I haven't seen his chip shot yet. Is oh, OK. There's a, a, a clip going around uh, Twitter and Instagram of uh, Gatano Brady playing golf, which is probably one of the, the, the... I watched it on a loop yesterday. It's only about 10 seconds. Um, if you imagine him with a golf club and the... 
he uses it more like a, a sort of mafioso beating a person to death. <laughs> is the, the sort like of a piece of lead pipe, effectively. Yeah, oh, Ex- yeah that's, that exactly describes it. And it's fantastic. So they are all off in Spain uh, learning to play football again, as far as I can um, gather. And then when we come back, they will be playing... Uh, we've got Hull next week, and then we've got Cardiff after that. We're at the moment, we're 10th. I keep, uh, I always paste, cut and paste the uh, the league table into the wire prep sheets, and I'm having to put more and more of it um, as each passing podcast goes by because we keep uh, dropping a little bit further down. But we're still in touch. We're only three points off of Sheffield United in sixth, and it is really tight, all of it. Aston Villa fourth with 50, Cardiff third with 51. Even Derby, I reckon we're only 10 points off that hot second place um, so it could still happen and we'll have new players players going out we'll, we, we could just play the under 23s team which we'll talk about in the next part cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So with our players being sent off, going on holiday, um, generally unable to uh, beat um, other football teams, reinforcements are what's required, and January is the perfect time to sign reinforcements. We were going to have a quiet window. We've signed loads of players, millions of players. I cannot believe how many players Leeds United have signed, starting with... Adam Forshaw, who is basically the only player we've signed. We've got, well, we've got Lawrence Dubok, but he doesn't count anymore because he's seen him play. As well. we'll talk about them um, and where they've gone to in a moment. Um, Adam Forshaw is the biggest signing we've made since, uh, well, three million plus one and a half million equals four and a half million, which immediately makes me think of Thomas Brolin and Lee Sharp. Those numbers are just like absolutely related to them. He is a midfielder. He is scouse. I feel that's important. Um, and he's going to be wearing the number four shirt for Leeds United. Um, unlike Tom Lees and Scott Wharton, he is wearing it in midfield. That's the plan. How excited are we about Adam Forshaw, the new Billy Bramner? I'm just trying to think of other scousers. I can think of Billy Painter, which wasn't good. Mm. Uh, Ken Dodd? Ken Dodd. I don't, when did he play for us? Oh, sorry, Scouser yeah, played for yeah. us. Andy sorry. Robinson. 
That's true. This he was isn't right. doing well, is it? Mm. Um, well, he can blaze a trail. He can be a, a true breakthrough. But I don't know. I've I've not seen him play enough to know if he's any good. Middlesbrough fans seem to like him at one stage. Now they've got Pulis and they don't need any midfielders. Mm-hmm. I think is the gist. Does anybody know anything about him, Rob? No. It, it, um, it sounds like he's a upgrade on O'Kane, really, of the tidy midfielder. Keep the ball. Hopefully don't headbutt anyone in a he's stupid a, time. If the stats are be to, be, to be believed, he is an upgrade of um, 9.3%, I think, in terms of pass completion. Union O'Kane's pass completion is 78.6% so far this season, whereas uh, in the Premier League, the Premier League, mind you, um, so he was on the telly all the time and everything, um, Adam Forshaw managed 88.3% pass success. Will you be cheering every pass, Andy? I'll be counting every pass, obviously trying to see if those if those numbers hold up. In Premier League, no one ever tackles anyone, do they? Mm. If you think about it. So it's not, you know, it's not like in the Championship where you've always got someone snapping at your heels Premier League just stand there in the pocket and pass all day can't you sir so you're saying he'll come into his own for Leeds United next season oh clearly yes Is, we've gone up as chuffing champions We are, in that case it's a wonder we haven't sent him to cultural Leonese so, so he can get ready with Idiguchi and come back when they're both Premier League ready well maybe he'll get in his debut at Hull City spit on someone and headbutt them um, and get an eight game ban is that Nine game ban, do you beg your pardon? Is that going to be after he's gone th- gone through the legs, Liam Cooper style as well? Just go for the hat trick, yeah, at mm-hmm. once. He is. He does. Um, they do seem sad to miss him. The Teesside Gazette um, described uh, Gareth Southgate going to um, Sunderland. No, why would he go to Sunderland to see him play? Go to Middlesbrough to see him play for them um, to see if he was good enough for the England squad. Never picked him, so I assume he thought he was crap. Um, but yes, in their le- their love letter. Um, after his departure, they described his crisp, close control, deft distribution and bright movement off the ball that fitted the faster, more dynamic style and space in the Premier League. So, yeah, what he's going to be like in the Championship. But he did he did play for Middlesbrough in the Championship and sounded like he wasn't a, um, a disgrace. And where I believe his scouseness is relevant is that they do go on to talk about how he's a strong and engaging personality who's not just a big part of the team but also a popular, upbeat member of the group. Has he got a cracking sense of humour? He's a lively character at the heart of the pranks and in-jokes um, and he's part of the glue that made the squad a strong bond. So yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a cheeky, chappy Liverpool joker. It's what we've been crying out Did for. Did Middlesbrough all fall out last season? Didn't uh, they? Season might fall apart because of... Two factions. That was no. That was all down because they had this uh, this director of football. <laughs> um, I can't remember his name. But he was causing a, a hell of a stink up there. Um, players like Adam Ford. Thank God we not got them in. Eh? He wouldn't be getting involved in any of that. We'll be, we'll be clear. Are we are we looking forward to seeing him play? I mean, we haven't got any other midfielders. That's true. So looking forward only in the context of actually having a midfield player playing in midfield. Mm-hmm. That at Hull, that is going to be great. And wearing number four, does that mean something? Do you think? Well, Following not, in the foot of John Styles, Rudy Austin. Well, I think what we've what we've we found out about numbers and, and other things that go on shirts is that people do attach an incredible amount of sentiment to them, which is perhaps uh, not Alex always Bruce. appropriate. But we're going to come on to that, aren't we? Who so. was it that Juve Rosler gave the four shirt to, and everybody kicked off? Wooten, wasn't it? Wasn't With Scott Wooten, great day. That's got to be the worst. Is Scott Wooten a scouser? He might be. He went from Liverpool to Man United. I suppose we had Dominic Matteo and Robbie Fowler, didn't we, that we've forgotten about. 
those were both I mean Matty O was club captain <laughs> we've signed a lot of other players as well but we're not going to get to see um, any of them play unless there really is a red card um, blizzard over the next few weeks um, Arpo Halm we talked about last time the centre back from HJK Helsinki since then Kamil Miesac who seems uh, to have been at the club for ages but we've just been keeping it a secret yeah, he was on a trial and now we've given him a contract. He's a Polish goalkeeper. Um, Oliver Sarkic, who is also has been at the club for a while, a striker from Benfica, but don't let that fool you because he was born in Lincolnshire. Um, Sam Dalby, uh, no relation no relation to Thomas Dalby. Are you going Dalby? Um, I'd go Dalby. Well, it's an A. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Dalby's an O. <laughs> well, yeah, I said they're not related. Anywho... Some Sam, we've signed Sam Samuel from Leighton Orient. Is he has musical? Come. Uh, he's tall. Well, well, oh, double it. bass player then. <laughs> and then we have signed uh, Pascal Strike. Strike. I mean, he can't be called Pascal Strike because he's a centre back from Ajax, and um, you would expect him to be playing up front for um, Ajax against Melchester Rovers with a name like that. But instead, he's going to come and play at centre-half for our under-23s. Um, the other updates from the under-23s, who are almost... Um, they're taking on a size and scope that almost feels like they're bigger than the, the first team at the moment. J. Roy Grott finally got his long-awaited chance to play for Leeds United um, and scored in the under-23s. And uh, Malik Wilkes appeared briefly, but he's gone on loan to Grimsby. Um, with Miazic in for goalkeeper position, Bailey Peacock-Farrell is having a trial into Sweden... Um, and the three Scandinavian teenagers on trial uh, Noel Tornquist, Ardian Berisha, and someone else whose name escapes us at the moment. Um, there's a lot going on in the other 23s. They lost today, by the way, to Barnsley 3 1. They lose quite a lot. Mm. They won the last two. You know, I, I, equally, I think people can get carried away with under 23 teams results because you know it, essentially it doesn't really matter if you ever win a game if you can produce one really good player that's actually fine if you can have to, if you have 10 shit players every year but one really good one that's actually as much as you can hope for really do you think that's what's happening here is we're basically this is just a european football farm and we'll see if any of them grow into tall strong plants yeah i have talked quite a bit about on social media about the 23s there whereby there just seem, doesn't seem to be any scope for them getting into the you know, on, onto the bench as some of them did for the Newport game but unless uh, over the last four seasons we've had at least one you know, youth player from, coming out of the, the, the academy setup, go into the first team and really give it a bit of a shake up um, and go back through to you know, Byram um, and, uh, Cook. Lewis Cook Vieira uh, yeah, Vieira Calvin Phillips, Phillips. Yeah, etc etc but we, th- that doesn't really seem to be happening this season the Mackay brothers yeah. <laughs> and Billy Whitehouse I mean, we know the stand of the 23 is, is not great, and um, we also know that the uh, um, we, we've got a lot of new European players in there. I, I still, I don't get the Aspire thing. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. No one can seem to explain in plain English what that actually is. And also, we keep we keep signing these players, um, and as we've seen, there are still some gaps in the first team that that need to be filled and surely if you're good enough you're old enough but it just doesn't seem to be happening at the moment mm-hmm. it just seems the, the, the principle seems to be that they're not good enough but one day they might be 
Peacock Farrell's development seems strange because he mm, seems to be highly rated. Backward, but yeah, we seem to just think he's best being away from this club. Certainly, York City supporters seem to think he was best away from them after his loan there. The reports weren't um, weren't weren't glowing, not what you'd hope for. Um, but at one point, weren't we turning down bids from Premier League clubs? He was a Premier League club, wasn't he? Yeah, very. But then I suppose maybe that's a little bit like the Leighton Orient thing, where everybody's just taking like, oh, that goalkeeper's doing quite well for Leeds youth team. We'll, we'll, we'll spend a million on him, and we're at the level where we're like that. Uh, he made his first team debut for Leighton Orient when he was 16, did this uh, this Sam fellow. So whatever we've spent on him, we're just like, drag him up. And when Ridsdale, um, I think he did it on the pitch because that's the way he did things, a keeper from Reading called Sean Alloway. I do. Like a million quid. Mm. Yeah. And he, I think he never he played for play. us, did he? I don't yeah. think he did. And his career never did anything. But yeah. he was like, that was one of those, like, look at this. Building for the future, yeah. I think that is one of the things that's kind of... Um, from a public relations point of view, is uh, going against the under-23s a little bit, is because we, we see all these players and they get announced. And all that happens is people go, why are you signing him? Why aren't you signing a striker? Um, which isn't fair, really. I mean, if these are good players and they reckon that but by having them trained by our coaches, that would be good. It's fine. But the, the glare of publicity is maybe um, raising expectations. I think the fact they've got a lot of them have got fancy foreign names does as well because if it was like rather than Pascal Strike, mm-hmm. if it was you know Kevin Jones from Rothwell people would go yeah it's the Oliver Sarkic thing where I'm sure he's just he's adopted that name to make himself look better you know nobody called Sarkic from uh, Lincolnshire Play, signed from Benfica he's just gone on Portugal on holiday and it's like thrown a con in um, but I think you're right it is strange that uh Jack Clark was talked about that he was nearly on the bench for the Leicester game in the Carabao Cup and then he was on the bench for the Newport game. You can have seven substitutes or whatever it is now. Um, Stick him on the bench Sacco, for the, the Millwall Cargo game. to get on the bench. <laughs> so I, I, any of the four of us could be on the bench, I think, as a as a substitute in place of Sacco and probably contribute more. And if you, if you think we were back in the day going to Anfield with considerably fewer substitutes and one of them was Alan Smith who was basically a child mm. at that point can happen Something, the, the just romance outside the first team squad set up doesn't I, I don't get it no one's really explaining what we are trying to do mm. um, and I'm just hoping somebody will at some point there was on the, as part of Angus Kinnear's um, big uh I'm sorry speech on Radio Leeds the other night. He was asked about um, Aspire Academy um, and he did, uh, he reiterated it's a technical link up, it's knowledge sharing, so we have access to world class coaches, we also have access to world class facilities, so our players, if they need medical treatment, can go to the Aspire Academy in Qatar and get it there from the best people in the world. And then he um, he kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit, which he seems to have made a habit of lately by saying. Um, and also, we we've uh, we've signed, we've got a we didn't have a nutritionist here before, but since we've we linked up with Aspire Academy, we now have a world class nutritionist that we got from Leeds Beckett. But he's now he's gone out to Aspire to train. It's like that didn't really make any sense. You could have just got it from Leeds Beckett anyway if he's mm. any good. But that's what he's insisting. And then uh, the the question uh, was asked: um, Will this lead to? Is is this money? Is there um, investment behind this? 
And uh, the answer was um, no, not at the moment, not currently. It's a developing thing. So um, the door was very much left open from the answers of like at one point this might turn into financial. But very keen to stress that at the moment it's a technical relationship and knowledge sharing. Yeah, well, and I mean, we're all absolutely certain that no money from Qatar has. Come out. We all we all know that that's mm-hmm. just not true. A Qatar as a, as a sort of state concerned that being linked with Leeds might drag their reputation <laughs> that does, down slightly. That does seem to, well, they might end up with um, whoever is in charge of uh, Qatar as a state every time um, they announce a new uh, draconian law, having a, thousands of Leeds fans tweeting at them saying, "Why haven't you signed a striker yet? Um, why haven't we signed a striker yet, Rob?" Um, sorry, is it done to me? <laughs> I'm demanding answers. Somebody's got to be held accountable. Everybody wants a striker. We haven't signed a striker. What the hell is happening? The, the, how? What's the date? There's five days left of this transfer window. What are we going to do? I do just find all the names that everyone's throwing up though, that we should sign just so uninspiring. And he even mm-hmm. said, was it the eight million? Did he quote the eight million figure for Hugel from Preston? I've heard eight million bandied around, as they say. I sort of. I find it hard to criticise them if they think there's no good striker available that we can afford out there. It's hard to say, well, go sign one that you don't rate for a lot of money. Yeah. I don't mind that this transfer policy. I think January's sort of already been better than we expected in a way, that we've signed two players to improve the starting eleven. And I think that before January, that starting eleven, there was every area could have done with improvement. Mm-hmm. They've improved two areas of it, players they deemed of a value... If a striker comes up, we sign one. If not, well, it's better than squandering money, more money on a player that we don't rate. That it just becomes another click or something like that. Yeah. The the answer on uh, again on radio, Leeds Angus can he was asked, can could we afford Jordan Hugill or Hudgill or Huggy Bear or whatever it's called um, at eight million? And he basically said, yes, we could afford that. Uh, we just don't want to because mm-hmm. we don't think it would be good value. And most of the strikers around would cost that there'd be too much in terms of wages for what we want to do um, but there's still that glimmer that everybody uh, points to of if they scored 12 goals we could be in the Premier League It's very hard to understand the market as well I think with transfers now because Edin Dzeko who's 32 was all of a sudden worth 44 million quid the other day and stuff like that does throw you off a bit you think oh well if, they, if he's 44 maybe Hudgel for 8 million just all right, maybe that's not that bad. And there was, on another podcast I was listening to, they were saying how all you know in Spain everyone's got to have these release clauses in the contract. Kind of everyone's got one. How all these clubs signed players onto these things two or three years ago, who like the, and they put things like a seventy million release clause, and thinking no one's ever going to pay that. And all of a sudden, teams are coming along with seventy million quid, and they're like, oh shit, we have to sell him now, I suppose. So I, th- I think it's very hard to quite get a grasp of where we are with transfers at the mm. moment. Because everything seems mental. I still think four point five million for four shots just seems like a massive amount of money for us. Yeah. That was funny. That's more than size, though, isn't it? Uh, yes, yeah, size was about three, three yeah, and a half. So it's just there was a lot of yeah. People have been saying we need to splash the cash on a striker, <laughs> and then we signed a midfielder for quite like quite a large amount of money. And lots of people like whoa, 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 whoa. let's let's not get Ritzdale on. It's there. happening again. <laughs> what do you think, Andy? Do you want? Are you happy to see J. Roy Grot blossom? <laughs> He could I mean, Pierre Michel Lasaga turned it around against Millwall, and uh, Thomas Christensen afterwards said, "You know, everyone says we want a new striker. There's a striker. 
um, Grot scored in the under-23s and Ekiban's probably having his foot sewn back on. Um, and Kimar Roof has scored a lot of goals. Mm. But would that new striker do enough? Is it worth it? Should we be getting someone in? Well, I mean, from a, from a soccer perspective, he's at, he's at Leeds because he's been inconsistent. That that's the reason he's not playing in the Bundesliga. So he, you're going to get, you know, by definition, you are going to get every so often a game like the game he had on Saturday, and unlike the Burton game, and like the Bristol City away game, he will, you know, where he will create and score goals. He just doesn't do it on a consistent basis enough. Otherwise, he'd be back in Hamburg. You know, banging them in and going for the the golden boot. So we know that Roof likes to start in this uh, role as the sole striker. Uh, and, and again, he's he's okay. Comes in that when he, when he has a good game, he's mm-hmm. he looks particularly sharp and he can he, he can really influence things. But he, again, he doesn't do it consistently enough, and that's why he's not in the Premier League. Um, but we absolutely need a striker. Would I pay eight million for Hugo? Absolutely not. Um, I'm assuming now we have a world-class scouting network across you know, every continent that we should be able to go and find someone who would give us value. But we, we, we absolutely need a Philip. If you look at where we are, 10 points off Derby, we've, we've thrown away... what it, I think we, we've taken one point in 12, haven't we? Mm. So, and for, the Forest game, we should have comfortably won, and arguably the Ipswich game we should have won with a bit more quality up front. So it's a bit disingenuous to say, oh, well, there's the sort of scored two goals, so we don't need another striker. Because yeah. we all know we need a striker. And the whole point about having a director of football who controls everything and a worldwide scouting network is that we don't have to pay £8 million for Hugo. The scouting thing's interesting, I think, these days, because the the football world has shrunk a lot in 20 years. Because I was thinking, like, when we signed Yeboa, I had never heard of Yeboa. And, and it turned out he'd been like top scorer in the Bundesliga for mm. several seasons. There was a reel, if you remember, there was a video played. The, in, the ticket office used to be in the East End Concourse. And when we were queuing for games, I think it was Man United away, um, there was a three-minute video of all these goals playing on a loop. And bear in mind, we had you know, Thomas Brolin at that point and, and Lee Sharp. Uh, so, and some of the goals on, the, on the, the video clip they put in were absolutely outstanding. And, uh, um, if you like a prelude to the things that he did for us briefly... When he played for us, but you, I was just stood there waiting for your ticket for whatever away game, Norwich away or something, thinking we've signed this guy yeah. and he can do this. When we've been watching Lee Chapman for years, you know, it's uh, it was quite revolutionary. It's hard, it's hard to imagine signing a player like that now, someone who would come in from mm-hmm. somewhere and be a complete unknown. Size has done it to an extent this year, I suppose, but trying to find someone like that these days, I think, is incredibly difficult. Yeah, and I think that is what they're trying to do. I was quite impressed by Lawrence Debock. Um, not just as a concept rather than a player, but the fact that um, they he's only out of the team at Bruges because they stopped playing with a left-back and have gone to wing-backs. So they've known he's a good player. I'd never heard of him before. Um, Wolves apparently were tracking him, so we've got a couple of teams that are after him, and I think Hamburg bid £6 million in the summer. So they're aware of him, and then it's like, he's not playing in the team, we can go and get him. And a little bit like that with Forshaw as well, although Victor Orta will have known him from being up there um, that Tony Pulis has come in what three weeks ago a month ago and picked his midfielders and they've swooped and gone like right that's a really good player he's not playing good price get him and so I do have a little element of faith in that perhaps they can do another size with a striker but 
in January, if the striker is consistent and is good and is scoring goals, he'll be playing. So you're not going to get him, or you'll have to pay £70 million. Or he'll be pounds. in Chelsea's reserves on loan in Belgium. Or he'll be playing for uh, Ipswich Town and scoring against us. Still annoyed about that. Um, Andre Rodrizani did respond to uh, the clamour on social media about signing um, players in general, um, saying, I can see you and all fans are getting impatient, but I am responsible since last June and working hard to make our dream come true. Uh, there's uh, three clap emojis and a yellow heart and a blue heart. Um, LUFC management will be transparent and clear on market transfer strategy in a Q&A session in February. All focus on Millwall now. Well, that went well. Um, I think the Q&A, um, I'm expecting that to be more of like a Facebook video rather than we're all going to be in a hall shouting at him. But GFH, fans forum. Yeah. Do we, are we excited about a Q&A session in February would so it, we can ask about what's be going on? It would be better to have a Q&A on? session about the transfer window before it's shut. Mm, it depends who we want to tell. I didn't know it's Arsene Wenger in one of his press conferences who just came out of it he said during January it's better to keep secrets I go, oh okay that's probably I think that's what Leeds have been sort of hinting at for ages like well we yeah you know we're working very just tell us you're not telling us that would be fine <laughs> um, but they're going to tell us in February I mean Kinnear gave a bit away on the Radio Leeds thing but he, he was really saying I suppose what, what touched on what you were just saying about taking opportunities when they present themselves mm. Of signing players is like we. They, they seem to have a list of players who are like, well, get any of these if they're available for this price. If not, we'll just wait. They'll come available at that price at some point, at which and then we'll get them. What price do you think they're going to pay for Ross McCormack? I would hope nothing. Let Villa pay for him. There is. I don't, I don't mind having him back. I'd have yeah. him back like if they want to pick up his wages and. I'll take a transfer fee. If we can do a full uh, Robbie Fowler to Manchester exactly. City but get the benefit out of it, that's not a bad idea. There's, so there is there is the rumours about Ross McCormack coming back um, from Villa, from Australia. Um, and the other speculation that we've got today is Sunderland want Andy Lonergan. Presumably, when we talk about a world-class uh, scouting network, I don't think anyone at Sunderland has watched uh, the Championship on Channel 5 um, at Fighting all this season. Um <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe so. A, a drinking culture installed in the uh, in the club. Of course, he'll get uh, him and Daron Gibson can just uh, can get out on the lash in Sunderland, uh, and we might go for Adam Bogdan, um, formerly uh, the ginger. Um, well, still is the ginger goalkeeper, formerly of was he at Wigan then Bolton? Bolton. Did he do the full tour and then ended up yeah, at Liverpool? It's bad against us for Bolton, isn't it? He has. I think what I seem to remember, he was he was wearing his ginger hair and a pink goalkeeper's kit. I think the hair would have been on his head, technically, He's rather than wearing it. Well, whatever. Um, other transfer news outgoing. Uh, we signed a left back, but also really uh, depleted the squad by losing a left back. Um, is anybody going to uh, take fond memories away with them of Cameron Borthwick Jackson's time at Leeds? I wonder if he's concerned that two, the last two clubs he's been on loan at have seen fit to not play him and then send him back. Because, mm. I mean, I'm sure he's earning a fortune and stuff and, yeah. you know, giving it big licks around Manchester. But, you know. He knows Paul Pogba. Everything, we've, everything we've seen of him suggests he's a terrible footballer mm-hmm. and not a particularly... Um, Good human being is that harsh? But he's not trying. <laughs> he's, is what we'll say. 
But I mean, you would love to have Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He, he, <laughs> it's easy for you to say. Andy Coles, uh, that's a striker, Man United striker, I can pronounce. Phone number. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter if you're any good at football when you're at that level. I think we've obviously had loads of terrible left backs. I don't think I've been annoyed at any of them quite as much as Balfour Jackson. Because, like you say, he's just not tried at all. And it's the second club he's not done that. Looks like he just thinks he can't really be bothered. He's like, oh, I've been fucking sent there. <sighs> I suppose I'll have to play the pick me. It's not just the money that we spent on his wages, but the money printing his shirts as well. It's, do you think we can claim that back? I'm, I'm not sure I've seen many children with a Borthwick Jackson. His match coat shirts, I mean. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Sending him out with like a full CFAX page written on his back because he's got a very long surname. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, and neither had I thought about his feelings either, which <laughs> it's nice of you to talk about the, how he may be feeling. Michael, because I thought he was a useless twat and I'm glad he's gone. Who, it, what do you think happened in training sessions when it was him versus Sacco, right winger against <laughs> left back? Yeah. I imagine the ball stayed on, a, on the halfway line and both of them just stood there looking at each other. Entropy. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing happening. Yeah, and then Borthwick Jackson claimed he twist, would twist his ankle and then limp away off to his... Uh, £80,000 Jaguar and then Saka would run towards the ball miss it completely and the ball would spin out for a throw in and then he'd create some new hashtag <laughs> at least Saka tries come on you're being mean to him I, I am, I am like being him. mean to him because I think he's a terrible footballer but we're, we're being mean to Baltimore Jackson because he's a terrible footballer so he's what's the though. difference I mean that's yeah. also like, I mean when you sign from them you have a lot of work you have to put in the work to, to win us over um, and he obviously couldn't be asked Um Another player who has gone, uh, matches Click, um, on loan to FC Utrecht for the rest of the season back in the Eredivisie. Um, what the hell happened there? When you started to see Shaughnessy getting picked in midfield over him, you kind of thought the writing's on the wall there. Mm. But it seems strange. I'd have liked to have seen more of him, I suppose, because he looked good at Burnley. But then he, I think after that game, he played at Cardiff and fucked up and we conceded and then it was like Christensen just banished him all of a sudden he's not the only player to have made well, a mistake well, yeah, exactly. even he wasn't the only player to make a mistake in that game yeah exactly it seemed a bit strange his, his face just didn't seem to fit at all his face would have fitted a um, Imperial War reenactment yeah. <laughs> he does look a lot like Abraham Lincoln um, which I'm going to miss <laughs> you can probably get Utrecht games on online or something well this is it with Click because you think he was the first signing of the summer and he sounded like quite a big deal and quite a mm. big feat and I, I went and downloaded a couple of FC20 games and watched him playing in the area because he was like ooh this would be great do I want to find out about this player <laughs> not really ever anywhere no. um, okay. if, you, if people would like to help pay my rent uh, it's patreon.com slash <laughs> moscowitesb um, so I, I Click's I, feeling I don't know how he feels <laughs> at the moment <laughs> He'll be gently combing his beard. I think he wears glasses as well, which is great. We had a we had a bespectacled footballer, and we let him go. But he did. He looked perfectly capable. Um, take, took a very cool penalty, um, which I saw. He's a last-minute penalty to beat Ajax. That takes some stones, but can't get past Shocknessy, um, who shouldn't even, even Leeds United don't think he's a midfielder. O'Kane, Phillips, Vieira. And no room for click. He doesn't seem like he's a dreadful footballer from the bits we've seen. Certainly not worthy of discarding. It's not like remember Gary Monk's first game when Diogo Raga played, mm. and then it, it, that was the end of him. Yeah, he seems grounds. to. 
Yeah, Christ. <laughs> He's better than Matt Grimes. Yes. <laughs> I don't think we, we really saw him enough to make any value judgment, but he's definitely better <laughs> he's, than yeah. Matt Grimes. Sacco or Matt Grimes? Oh. You've got one spot on the bench. Oh. Only those two to pick from. Dear. Well, you, you have to say Sacco, because when he, <laughs> when he points himself in a certain direction, the football does occasionally go with it. And Sacco's mum's probably a bit nicer than Grimes' mum. <laughs> Based um, on social media, obviously. I'm sorry if you're Matt Grimes' mummy listening to this. The uh, the thing about Cleese is it, it's a shame to let him go. We we will still own him, so there is a possibility if he suddenly turns it on at Utrecht, I think we've got another three years or whatever, that he may be... It, we could have a midfield next year of four short, Idiguchi and Click. There is a chance as well. Managers change. Yeah. That's true. You, at which you, point? You, you get the feeling don't. the first few signings were... He just wasn't across the foot or, or happy with. Borthwick Jackson was another one who was mm. from was very Chris early on. even here at this point? Because he wasn't for Sacco. I beg your pardon? Was Christensen even in the room, in the building? I, I'm assuming Sacco was an appearance related. We just triggered a, a clause because surely anybody who'd actually watched him in <laughs> any game of football anywhere would know that it's the biggest waste of money imaginable <laughs> signing him. Well, any. Oh, I'm trying desperately. We've got to think of a way of getting you off of Heidi Sacco. <laughs> um, so we'll move on to uh, a genuine talent. Samu Saiz has been rebuilding his reputation over the last few weeks. Um, this is kind of a circular way of saying that we uh, Leeds United managed to get Toby Nye's fund for his treatment for neuroblastoma up to £200,000 um, with the final twenty-five grand donated by Samuel Saiz. Wasn't that generous? Gesture that he completely spontaneously made. Mm. There's a lot of spitting in schools, isn't there? If you watch a lot of school kids will spit, so I don't know if that's. Well, that's, <coughs> that's what else he's been doing. Him and Pablo Hernandez went to mm-hmm. visit a school, and then uh, yesterday on LUTV there was a video of him um, helping some kids. Gobbing in the playground. <laughs> he's helping some kids recreate Pablo Hernandez's uh, goal against Hull City. Um, so he was helping them lob uh, the copcat. So it does seem like. Um, obviously, they fined him a couple of weeks' wages for spitting at Newport, and that has been donated to Toby Knight's fund on top of a fantastic fundraising effort from everybody uh, to help him uh, be treated. And hopefully, fingers crossed, everything goes well with that. Maybe um, Hull could get the Copcat in goal because the Copcat will probably be better than their existing goalkeeper, yeah, wouldn't he? He had a good effort. A couple of these six year olds didn't quite uh, get the ball over him, but um, so on top of his uh, but on top of his fine, it does seem like six weeks' community service is also something he says is um, uh, sentence. Did he have a tabard on them? Was, was it, the fine with it written donation? on the back? Well, we don't know, do we? It, he it donate- seems like he may have been fined, and then, uh, yeah, anyway. He, I mean, it's an obvious bit of PR, isn't it? But the it's better than probably not doing Some of the it. other PR yeah. the clubs had this week. <laughs> yeah. Which we will we will come on to. Not before we talk about two uh, important people um, who've left us, uh, not in a Cameron Borthwick Jackson leaving us way. We will actually genuinely miss um, these people. Eric Carlyle, who was the long-serving secretary to the Leeds United Supporters Club, um, 50 years Started in, uh, I think the story was that he, he said in 1957 he'll do it to the end of the season just to fill in, um, and ended up retiring 50 years later. And even that was a, a, a kind of long time ago. Did anybody here have occasion to get their tickets through Eric Carlisle? No, but he's, he's been a kind of omnipresent name though, certainly as long as as long as I've been around. So uh, 
Uh, yeah, very sad to see him go. And um, I think from a, the supporters' club perspective, he probably wasn't a, a major figure in how they were organising themselves in recent years. But um, he's certainly uh, been around for as long as I can remember. So um, sad. Is the name he was associated? Wasn't he, he signed people's uh, youth cards if they mm. were trying to go in the eighties? So everybody had his name on their card mm. if they wanted to see a football match. And um, yeah, I wrote in the as well. I never had to meet him either, but I said that. Uh, it was a little bit like you never actually met the West End entrance or you never met the floodlights. Mm. It was just every programme or book that you got about Leeds United, like the, the handbook, his name would be there and his photo would be there. Um, so it's like uh, it's like the lions leaving the, the town hall steps. Um, somebody who was um, less closely related to the club in uh, recent years, um, but Jimmy Armfield also passed on, former manager um, who came in um, after Brian Clough and um, and is it hyperbole to say that he probably saved the club from oblivion happening even sooner than it did at that point he did a brilliant an absolutely superb job of, of stabilising the uh, the post the, the Clough debacle um, and certainly I remember listening to him on the radio over the years when he went into Pundit after he left management he was always a very kind of calming knowledgeable Influence whenever you listen to him, always a, a, a joy to hear. So again, yeah, very sad. Yeah, someone reminded me that his uh, his style on Radio Five is basically whenever they, they turn to him, he would just say, "Well, what happened was," and then he would just tell you what happened, and that's <laughs> fantastic. And as soon as they said it, it's like that's that's why um, remember about him. And I was looking at uh, yeah, and I think his uh, his job at Leeds. Um, I went back and uh, read. I happened to have a copy of his autobiography hanging around. Um, and the section on Leeds describes on the first day going in and uh, the manager's secretary had been hired by Brian Clough so she's waiting thinking like oh god am I going to be sacked um, and one of the first things is oh no I'm happy for you to stay you can be my secretary now and he just says and I'm still in touch with her today um, and that seemed to be how we approached everything at Leeds we just thought they just need somebody just to be nice um, Eddie Gray said nice things about him too and Eddie Gray seems like a sound judge of character. Eddie Gray was um, retiring at that point. Yeah. He was 26 and just training the, the juniors. And, um, yeah, as he was telling it, that uh, Jimmy Arfield just went up to him and said, do uh, you fancy playing in the reserves? And Eddie said, yeah, all right. Played in the reserves, did fine. But like, do you want to get back in the first team? Yeah, all right. And that was it. Because he, he just knew, and it's in... Uh, Armfield's book as well he's like he measured up that's the approach with Eddie Gray he won't say a lot you just need to go and just ask him nicely and then that'll be fine um, and yeah there's stuff about like whenever when Billy Bremner was at Doncaster he'd just drop in and just have a chat with him because he was aware that he'd never got his coaching badges so he'd go and give him some advice about how to manage Doncaster and just have a cup of tea um, which I'm sure if Brian Clough was ever passing Doncaster probably a radar would have gone off in Billy Bremner's house um, to rush out and uh, chase him away um, so there's two um, Eric Carlisle Jimmy Arfield too many people leaving us at once um, but good to remember nice folk Hi Moscow here um, I was just editing the podcast that you're currently hopefully enjoying listening to and realising as we ticked past the hour mark um, that there's still quite a lot to go we haven't mentioned uh-uh, uh-uh, yet 
Um, obviously, there's quite a lot of that to get through. So this is going to be a two-part podcast. Um, you've just listened to part one. Thank you very much. hope you enjoyed it. Come back um, within 24 hours um, and part two will be here for you to listen to. Thanks very much. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.